Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. <laughs> Kia ora everybody, I'm Jordan, host of the Kiwi Birth Tales podcast. It's my hope that you find support and comfort in these stories, and I'm really looking forward to bringing you today's episode. Just a reminder before we get started that these are personal experiences and you should always seek medical advice before making any important decisions. I'm not an advocate for any particular model of birth or birth care, and this is simply a platform to share these empowering Kiwi birth tales with you all. I'm so excited to be partnering with Elevate again this week to bring you this episode of Kiwi Birth Tales. Elevit with iodine is the only pregnancy supplement that is clinically proven to reduce the risk of neural tube defects like spina bifida by 92%. This week I have three tips with Elevit to bring you before we jump into the episode. The first one is ask for help. Taking care of yourself is important for both you and your baby. If you're feeling stressed or overwhelmed, reach out to your doctor, midwife, friends or family for help. Tip number two is to relax. Trying for a baby can leave you feeling tired and stressed. Reducing your stress levels with relaxation techniques, yoga or meditation may help increase your chances of getting pregnant. And the final tip with Elevate before we jump into the episode is planning. When you're planning to start a family, it's helpful to get to know your reproductive cycle. Recording your menstrual cycle helps to determine when you're most fertile and helps increase your chance of conceiving. In today's episode, I speak with Deanna about her two birth stories. Deanna fell pregnant at 17 and she takes us through that pregnancy and birth experience which ended in a Von Tuss delivery and she then talks us through her two miscarriages in between her next successful pregnancy which have a significant impact on her mental health. Deanna then takes us through her pregnancy with her daughter and that birth experience which she found quite traumatic. She talks us through why as well as how she's managed to get help for her mental health following those experiences. So Deanna is super honest with us throughout this episode and I really appreciate her taking the time to talk with us. I hope you get something from this episode and let's jump into it. Hi, Deanna. Thanks so much for joining me on the podcast today. Thank you so much for having me. No worries. Would you like to tell our listeners a little bit about you and who's in your family? Yep. I'm Deanna. I'm 21 and I live in Hokitika with my partner, Zach. We have two children, Hunter, who's three, and Lily, who's one. Both uh, share the same birthday, the 29th of March, and we've just <laughs> celebrated their birthdays during the lockdown. Um, we have three dogs, one cat and a miniature horse, and we're based here in Hokitika. Yeah. Awesome. Very cool. And what was the journey like to pregnancy for you guys the first time around? When I conceived Hunter, I was 17, so quite young, but I've always known that I wanted to be a mum, even at that age. Yeah. I, um, it took Zach and I six months to get a positive test with Hunter. And then between Hunter and Lily, I had two miscarriages, um, which took a huge mental toll on me, um, requiring medication and counselling and home help. 
both miscarriages, I needed treatment to have help to remove or to help pass. And that was really devastating for Zach and I. And it took a big toll on me and our relationship. And during that time, we also purchased our first home. So it was huge stress through that time. I'd gained quite a lot of weight and pushed quite a lot of people away and family and friends during that time. Yeah. And then that led me to be referred to a specialist to undergo testing as to why I kept miscarrying. And during the testing process, I fell pregnant with Lily. And I just, I just had that feeling that I was pregnant. So I did a test and it was positive with Lily. And how were you feeling sort of, did you have early symptoms or what was that pregnancy like in the first few weeks? I had early symptoms with Hunter. It's actually like a funny story. I um, thought that I danced too hard at my brother's 21st because my (laughs) boobs were really sore. And then a week later, they were still really sore. So I thought, something's not quite right here. So I did a test and it was positive. And then with Lily, I just had that, had a feeling. I didn't have any symptoms. I just had that feeling that I was pregnant and did a test and it was positive. Yeah. And so with Hunter's pregnancy, did you do sort of all the standard testing that's offered in New Zealand? Yes, I did. Yeah. And I know, I think in your email, you mentioned that you were diagnosed with gestational diabetes. Was that with Hunter or with Lily? With both. So with Hunter, I was diagnosed at 34 weeks. Yeah. And with Lily, I was diagnosed at 17 weeks. Yeah. And what were they doing in your first pregnancy to manage that? I was put straight um, onto taking blood sugar readings six times a day and insulin, injecting insulin twice a day. And it was the same with Lily as well. Just started insulin straight away and checking blood sugars six times a day. Yeah. And I can imagine that was pretty um, stressful for a 17 or 18 year old in your first pregnancy to be dealing with. How did you sort of find that pregnancy emotionally? I actually uh, found that that pregnancy was a lot less stressful Yeah, because I didn't really know, like I just thought everything was going to be okay, which is quite silly of me really. Whereas with Lily's <laughs> pregnancy, I feel like that those losses um, helped me really realize how lucky I am to be able to have children. So yeah. it made me take nothing for granted. Yeah. Yeah. And if we focus on Hunter's sort of birth first, did you have much of an idea of a birth plan or sort of how you wanted your labor and birth to go? Um, A wee bit, but I knew that I was going to be induced um, at about 38 weeks because my gestational diabetes was starting to become problematic. Yeah, with um, high numbers, and he was measuring large, but he was actually only seven pound two ounces, which is <laughs> quite good. Um, his birth plan was to—I knew that I wanted to have pain relief, so having a water birth or a home birth were off the cards for me. And with Lily's birth, I had my waters broke early, so she was five weeks premature. So yeah. I just went with with it to yeah. get her here safely. With Hunter's labour, it was quite long. I was induced on the Sunday night and he was born Wednesday midday, or 1.30 in the afternoon. Yeah. Um, when I come into the hospital to get induced, I was already three centimetres dilated. And on the, wen- 
they started the gel. I think I had three lots of gel on my cervix to get things going. And nothing was happening until 10 a.m. on Wednesday morning when my midwife decided to break my waters. Yeah. His heart started decelling at around lunchtime. So between 10 a.m. and lunchtime, I was just contracting and trying to get through it because it was, as soon as my waters were broke, it was straight into real intense labor, uh, really intense contractions. So I got the epidural then, and it was an amazing experience, the epidural then. Uh, so at around lunchtime, his heart started having decels. So the emergency button was pushed, and I was getting prepped to have a C-section. I was seven centimeters at that time, but just before I was wheeled out the, to go to theater, I had this overwhelming feeling that I needed to push. So my midwife luckily checked me and I was 10 centimeters and I was told to push and like push mm. now. So I pushed with everything I had because I did not want to have a C-section and I pushed for 30 minutes and he was born at 1.30 in the afternoon. On his way out, he did need some help coming out with the suction kiwi cup, I think it's called, yeah. um, because he did get a little bit stuck. So he had a bit of a cone head when he was born, but as well as needing a little bit of help with his breathing. But after that, it was everything else was great. Yeah. Awesome. And did you yeah. know that he was a boy when you were pregnant? Yes, we did. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Awesome. And did they pop him up on your chest for skin to skin? And did you need any stitches or anything like that? Yes, I did need some stitches. I think I had about five stitches. That so wasn't too yeah. bad, but it was really, I found that to be really painful. Yeah. Um, getting that done. But they gave me an injection of loco, I think it was, just to yeah. numb everything. Yeah. Awesome. And how long did you end up spending in the hospital? On the third day, we were packing up to go home and then something wasn't really right with Hunter. So the nurse came in and checked on him and he he was really cold and his heart rate was really, really low. So next thing, all these people were rushing in and he was taken away from me. And he'd been taken down to the intensive care part of Wairau Hospital in Blenheim where he started antibiotics and had procedures done like lumbar punches because he had um, got a septic infection. So it was touch and go for 10 days after that um, with him. But once we got to the end of the 10 days, we were given the all clear to go home, which was a very nerve-wracking time because yeah. I felt like I just had this amazing cruisy baby. I didn't realize that he was so sick. So yeah. I was scared that once we were let, ho- let go to go home, he was going to get sick again and I wouldn't be able to pick that up. Yeah. So that was a yeah, scary time, but he's he came out of that okay, which is good. Yeah. And once you got home, what was that sort of first few days and weeks like with a newborn baby and adjusting to life as a mum? How did you find that? It was awesome. I loved it so much, those first first few weeks of having just this little precious newborn. <laughs> he yeah. um unfortunately breastfeeding didn't work out with us, um, so he was bottle fed which was um, quite tricky. We had to experiment with a few different formulas because he was he had quite a bit of reflux and yeah. struggled with keeping keeping formula down, but yeah. we got there in the end and, um, yeah. Yeah, awesome. And how did you sort of decide that you wanted to try for a second baby or did you decide that? Yes, we did. We um, We started trying when Hunter was about a year old. 
and we got pregnant quite quickly. Unfortunately, we lost that pregnancy. And then three, about three months later, we fell pregnant again and lost that pregnancy again. So I had to have, um, or had surgeries in between to get rid of the fetus or the baby. I like mm-hmm. to refer to it as a baby, but medical people say fetus. Yeah, and then um, usually you can't get a referral to a specialist unless you've had three consecutive consecutive miscarriages. But it had taken such a huge impact on my mental health that I was not going to try for another baby because I couldn't go through that again. Yeah. So we were lucky enough to have um, a counsellor on board to help push for that referral to be done, which it was done. And we got referred to a specialist in Greymouth Hospital who helped, did well, did some testing, and during that testing process we fell pregnant with Lily. Yeah, and how were you sort of feeling? I know that you mentioned you had um, some professional help for your mental health uh, throughout that period and then obviously falling pregnant, pregnant naturally when you're waiting on tests for unexplained miscarriages. How were you sort of feeling and how were you navigating um, your mental health struggles? Um, my mental health struggles have been managed with counselling and medication. Yeah, It's taken a couple of different medications to sort of get one that's working best for me. Yep. But um, finding out I was pregnant with Lily was just the most amazing feeling, but also I was so, so scared and yeah. just kept bracing myself for the worst. I didn't, I couldn't see positive times ahead. I just was bracing for the worst. Yeah. But the specialist was so, so lovely. She just understood me so much. She, um, she was getting me in every week for the first 12 weeks to have a scan to make sure that baby's heart was still beating. And um, that was really nice before she then handed my care over to my midwife. Yeah. And were you able to continue taking your um, medication throughout your pregnancy? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Cool. And do you want to take us through sort of post 12 weeks of that pregnancy? How were you feeling? And when you were diagnosed <coughs> with gestational diabetes, did you find that sort of easy to manage because you had it in your first pregnancy or what was that like? So um, Lily's pregnancy was completely different to Hunter's one. Hunter's one was quite smooth sailing apart from the um, gestational diabetes towards the end. But Lily's pregnancy I had um, after 12 weeks, I was bleeding on and off. I had 10 admissions between 25 weeks and 34 weeks to hospital for bleeding. And at 26 weeks, my cervix started shortening. And then I had that urine test. I think it was a urine test or a swab or something to see if there were pro- there was protein. I'm not really sure the medical terms on that, but it comes back with a, a reading of whether or not you may go into labour in the next two weeks. Right. And that came back positive. So they kept me in hospital, but nothing eventuated from that, which was great. Yeah. Um, I had a, um, I had steroid injections then too, just in case. I then started progesterone vaginally to try and halt things. Yep. And at 32 weeks, I had a suspected kidney stone because my urine was just full of blood, but that was never confirmed. That sort of just became better on its own. And then at 34 yep. and 4, my waters broke at home. So 
I had to go straight to hospital because I have group B strep, which means that when your waters break, you need to start IV antibiotics because the risk of infection is higher. And as soon as I got to hospital, the plane was um, called from Christchurch and I was airlifted straight to Christchurch. Um, My midwife said to me that you'll be having a baby in the next 24 hours, which was scary. I wasn't, (laughs) we weren't quite ready at 30, (laughs) 34 and a half weeks. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, and I yeah. thought I and was how... going to lose, lose her, so, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine that would have been really tough on your sort of anxiety and having had all those other um, conditions and different things throughout your pregnancy. How were you sort of managing your anxiety through that? Just with talking, talking yeah. to um, talking to my midwife, being really transparent with her. Um, I'm really close to my mum. My mum helped me through you know, everything, just go and talk to my mum <laughs> and yeah. yeah, just being open to speaking out, speaking up if I needed help. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. And do you want to take us through, did you have many thoughts on sort of what um, a birth plan might look like for this labor or were you sort of going into it just whatever needed to happen would happen? just whatever needed to happen to get her here safely yeah. was I was prepared to do anything to get her here safely. Yeah. Um, yeah. They, once I got to Christchurch, I was told that they were going to try and keep her until 37 weeks, which was sort of, it was good because she was early, but yeah. at the same time I'd been told in Greymouth that I was going to be having her. So I'd sort of prepared myself mentally to yeah. have her. Yeah. So getting told that over there was a bit like, Oh, What's, ha- what's actually going to happen? <laughs> um, but then the next day they did some bloods and my infection count started to rise. So I was told that I was getting induced in the next hour. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. And... What a roller coaster. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. My partner was in Hokitika and I had my mum over in Christchurch with me. My partner was at home with our son. Yeah. So I rang him up and said, you need to come over now. <laughs> <laughs> How did your sort of labour progress from there? They obviously induced you. Do you want to take us through what that was like and then into your birth story? Yep. Uh, They induced me at lunchtime and things were just sort of slowly progressing, having having regular contractions and just being closely monitored. And then at about 7 o'clock that night, things started to ramp up a bit. So I got the epidural, which was completely different to my epidural with Hunter. They had to give it a couple of attempts and it's it left me with a, a hematoma and nerve damage, unfortunately, from oh, no. having that. Yeah, it was quite very, very painful, but yeah, completely different to Hunter's birth. So I thought I thought it was gonna be I thought I knew what I was in for, but unfortunately that didn't quite work out. But after that I carried on and then at between eight she was born at 10 o'clock so between eight and 10 she started having some heart d cells as well so I had doctors coming in to just check and check this the ctg machine to make sure her heart rate was okay and make sure she, we didn't need to go in and have a c-section but um when we got to about half past nine I started I was 10 centimetres and started pushing. I jumped from 8 centimetres to 10 centimetres in a matter of seconds. She checked me and I was 8 centimetres. And then she pulled her hand out and then 
as soon as her hand was out, I said, I need to push. So she checked again and mm. I was 10 centimeters. So I happened really quickly that last piece. Yeah. Yeah. So I pushed and she was born at, you know, five and she was taken straight to the, um, resuscita- resuscitation table to be stabilized and hooked up to the oxygen and all of that. And she was placed into the incubator and wheeled next to me so I could have a little look and then she was taken out of the room to the NICU in Christchurch. Yeah. And then a couple of hours after I had her, I had a post-birth hemorrhage caused by some retained placenta and the loss was between 1.4 and 1.6 litres and the clot that they pulled out of me was larger than my placenta. It was just ginormous. Oh, wow. And how did you so sort was of really know, or did you know that that was occurring? Like, did you just have a lot more blood than you'd expected and you said to the nurse or what sort of happened there? The nurse was checking because she said that there's quite a, you know, a bit more blood than she'd expect. So she just kept right. coming in and checking. And then yeah. she was pushing on my stomach and she said she, it didn't feel quite right. So she got the doctor in and the doctor, um, had to do a, internal and could feel the retained products so managed to get it out I'm quite thankful that the epidural half half worked because that would have been quite painful she literally had to put her whole hand and pull this massive clot out but um yeah it was yeah it was scary and I still have like nightmares about that and about the epidural and that that I'm still trying to work through because it was it wasn't it wasn't nice yeah, yeah. I can only imagine I absolutely feel for you there. And was your daughter in NICU for a while? How long did you stay in hospital for? She was in Christchurch NICU for two weeks, which was good. She did really well. She um only needed help with her breathing for the first couple of hours and then she was breathing on her own. Um yeah. she just needed a little bit of help with her temperature control and her blood sugars. Um, but apart from that, she did really well. We jumped from room two to room six, and then we were flown back to Greymouth Hospital where we started working on establishing feeding and getting her to grow. Yeah, awesome. And how did you find – I know I've had – my son was in Skiboo when we first um, had him, and I know that it can be, yeah, a real um, struggle and really tough to see your baby in there. So how were you sort of coping with that, and how did you deal with those feelings? It was really hard. I spent a lot of that time um, just upset. I just found yeah. that leaving her there and going back to Ronald McDonald was just the most like unnatural thing. Leaving mm-hmm. your baby somewhere not next to you, it was, it was horrible. But thankfully it was only two weeks. And then once we got back to Greymouth Hospital, we were in together. Yeah, awesome. And how are you going with your feeding this time around? So at Greymouth Hospital, we I decided to um, bottle feed with my expressed milk because yeah. Lily was still really sleepy and she wasn't able to suck and swallow and breathe at the same time. Still, yeah. she was struggling with that. So um, we just bottle fed. And then once we got home, I had the most amazing midwife who supported me every step of the way to try and get Lily to take the breast because I didn't breastfeed with Hunter. So it was so I, for me, it was so important for me to yeah. to breastfeed her. And I just, my midwife and myself, we just pushed through and eventually in the, in, the, in the first couple of weeks of coming home, 
we got Lily to take the breast and then Lily decided she didn't want to have the bottle anymore. <laughs> and um, so with the help of um, Nipple Shields and Dom Perido, we got there and I breastfed her for 11 and a half months and donated yeah. over 10 litres of milk to two different families in New Zealand, which has been such a special thing to do. Yeah, wow, what an achievement. But, That's amazing. Um, yeah, yeah, it was, yeah, I loved that part of it. Yeah, and how were you sort of feeling once you got home? And obviously you have to make an adjustment from one to two children and you've had a bit of a rough go of your birth and then in NICU and, yeah, sort of a tough start. So how were you feeling once you got home and, and how was your um, mental health then? Um, it was it was okay at the beginning. I was so ready yeah. to be home, being away from home for over a month. Yeah. Um, and I just, I miss my son so much and it was just really good to be home. And my partner had two weeks off, so that was great to have his support there to help with Hunter and help with Lily. Yeah. And let me sleep. (laughs) But, um, I really struggled with the, the, um, fact that I couldn't sleep when Lily slept because I had a toddler, toddler there, so. Yeah, I couldn't just sleep when when baby was sleeping, and then there were still <laughs> yeah. things that needed to be done around the house. So the first yeah. few weeks were quite hard, but she started sleeping through the night. I think at about six weeks old. So we've been so lucky with both of our children being really good sleepers. Yeah, awesome. And how were you feeling? Sort of, um, I know you mentioned in your email that you had postnatal depression. Do you want to take us through how you sort of acknowledged that or realized that you might be feeling that way and what you did to get help? Yeah, I I um just had this feeling where I was struggling to get out of bed in the morning and like I love my children so much but I was having moments where I felt like I didn't want to be their mum anymore and yeah it yeah it was just a really dark time but um I just spoke out spoke to my midwife about it and said look this is how I'm feeling and um, she put a referral through to the mental health team and they've been supporting me since, ever since, since we got home till, yeah. even to now. And with different support avenues like home help if needed and, um, people to talk, just to come around and talk to me, just someone to talk to. Yeah. Because I found that, um, during those first few months of being home, I pushed a lot of my friends away. Um, which I didn't realize I was doing at the time, but yeah, looking back now, it's something that I did do because I, I didn't want to go anywhere. I didn't want to speak to anyone. I I just sort of locked myself away. Yeah. Yeah. And were you also, um, given medication at the same time as having those people around to talk with you? I was on medication, but we decided to change the medication to something else. So yeah. Um, which I found beneficial. Apart from yeah. the side effect of the medication, was it made me sweat really bad? But oh, no. it was. <laughs> I'd rather that it was okay. I just dealt with that because yeah, sure, it was better than feeling how I was feeling. Yeah, and did it make quite a quick change? I know there'll probably be some people out there listening to this who might also feel like they're in a in a dark place sort of postnatally and be considering getting help, which absolutely I'd recommend that they do. But sort of once you got the help that you needed, was it an immediate sort of light at the end of the tunnel and adjustment for you? Or do you want to take us through that? No, it took um, quite, like I'm still working through it 
to this day, yeah. but it's a lot better than it was. It took a couple of weeks before I sort of felt a bit different with this medication. Yeah. So it did take some time, but um, I found that just speaking to professionals that are confidential and all of that was was beneficial. And they could give you um, resources that were helpful. For example, um, one of the ladies I was speaking to put me onto this Facebook group called Sands New Zealand, which is the yep. bereavement page for – so I, I found that Facebook page quite nice to know that I wasn't alone with struggling with those feelings. Yeah, no, fair enough. I think um, if, if anyone can take anything from your story today, it's absolutely that um, there's help out there and, and it's worthwhile yeah, connecting with someone and not just sort of trying to feel those feelings on your own. Definitely, yeah, definitely. I just wanted to add that um, as much as I loved breastfeeding Lily, I did find it quite um, an, like an isolating time. Yeah. And I found that it had quite a big impact on my partner's, mine and my partner's relationship because I was constantly feeding Lily and we never really got time to ourselves because I couldn't, Lily decided she didn't want to take the bottle, so I couldn't give her to my mum for for a couple of hours so Zach can Zach and I can have that that time together. So that was quite hard. But when I made the decision to stop breastfeeding Lily at eleven and a half months old, we were in Christchurch because my son's been quite sick. So um at that time it was just it just had to be then unfortunately because my son needed me and I couldn't be in yeah. hospital with her on me. But yeah. um yeah I had a lot of mum guilt um, about stopping breastfeeding, I felt like I was letting her down at eleven and a half months old. But yeah. looking back now, even though that's only three or four months ago, it was the best thing that I did. Yeah. For um, for us. Yeah. Yeah. No, it sounds like um, you had a really good effort getting to eleven and a half months. But I can understand the sort of feelings of mum guilt, and I think a lot of people out there yeah. will resonate. With that it's um it's a hard feeling to explain but yeah no I definitely understand that one yeah it's hard <laughs> <laughs> yeah awesome well thank you so much Deanna for coming on the podcast and sharing your experiences with us I think a lot of people out there will get something out of it so thank you thank you so much for having me I hope it wasn't too too on the down low but yeah <laughs> my story no I think it's important that um we have all types of stories to share so yeah absolutely thank you so much Thanks again to Elevate for sponsoring this episode of the podcast. The extra content wouldn't be made available without you, so thank you. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Kiwi Birth Tales podcast. I really hope you enjoyed it. I'd love to hear your feedback, so either leave a review on the podcast app that you're listening on or head to our Instagram at Kiwi Birth Tales and leave a comment there. If you're interested in sharing your birth tale, then please head to the Instagram page and use the email link to get in touch. Thanks again for listening. I really look forward to sharing the next episode with you. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.